Amen, amen, amen. Give God a hand. Praise. That's what's up. The Lord, the Lord is good and worthy to be honored and praised and lifted up. Is he? And so we, we, we honor him today and thank him for all of his uh, mercy and grace that he's given to us as uh, a ministry to be able to accomplish some great things for his glory. Um, last, year, last week with the Malawi offering, we remember we're doing that quarterly. Um, if you uh, weren't able to give last week, you know, because some, you know, some folk, you know, 1st and 15th is your, 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 your dates or once a month. Well, you can give online, go under our giving tab and go to Malawi. Let me go to mission and the drop down menu will say Malawi and give there. I'm really, really excited that last week we, would have ra- we, we were able to lift from our offering almost $4,000 last week. Amen. 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 And so, and so we want to keep that lifted up as they want to get this school done. Uh, we don't want them to build that foundation and just kind of be sitting there. Amen, somebody. And so we want to we want to finish what the Lord is starting. I believe this is going to make a lot of impact uh, for, for for us and uh, for, for the glory of God in that particular place. If you have a, a seat beside you, if you could just slip your hand up in the air, so that uh, uh, so that the yeah, air right here. We got some over here. We got some over over there, and uh, and everything. Amen. 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 Um, general giving, Pastor Nyron is our stewardship pastor. He let us know that we, um, we, we're dipping a little bit. And so for those of you who are covenant community members and beyond, to honor the Lord with your first of the first of your wealth. In order for us to do what we do, we really need you to make sure that you consistently give. Amen, somebody. Amen, Amen somebody. Amen. And, so, and so with that in mind, we need to um, do that in order that we, everything that we have planned this year, we have almost a 600000 budget this year. It's 592000 to be exact, and so we want to make sure that we're able to continue to plant Epiphany Camden. Amen, somebody. Amen. Um, and so we want to continue to support uh, what Epiphany Camden and Pastor Doug and them are doing, uh, our family in the area of the city. Um, also support things like yesterday we had our basketball banquet, and um, it, was in, it was incredible uh, to have uh, kids from all over the neighborhood be here with their families yesterday. It was men there, women there. And um, the gospel was preaching. People met Jesus yesterday. And so, um, and so we're excited about that. Um, we're, we're, we're close to 40 decisions for Christ already this year. Amen. Dad, y'all ain't excited about souls? Okay. I don't know about you. Heaven rejoices if you don't. So, and some rocks may get in the place of you and cry out. Amen. So, um, so we're excited about people meeting Jesus Christ. Uh, the students, uh, they were extremely excited and they're passionate about us doing it next year. And we got a summer program coming up this summer. Uh, the Village Church is sending up eight people from the village. And then we're having some people from here that we're going to be, be going to be with us for the entire month of July. So keep that lifted up in prayer. We're trying not to have over 50, 60 kids. I'd really like us to have 100. Um, and so be in prayer about that. Numanity this, this Tuesday at 7. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get it. Kingdom man. Where are all my kingdom men at? It's time for us to get it. I only see about almost 50 men signed up. Isn't he, I would like to see that number hit 100. Amen. Amen. We got way over 100 men to go here. Amen. So we can uh, see the Lord bring you in. And it's not just about the numbers. It's about the impact of your soul. And so, and, so, and so we want to see impact of men having their lives conform to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ as we go through our curriculum, Kingdom Man, by my spiritual father, Dr. Tony Evans. Then 3130 is meeting this week. Authentic womanhood. Let's get it, ladies. All right? Go ahead. And that's for the ladies, not for the dudes. It's for the ladies, not for the dudes. All right? And so as y'all get in there, ladies, let's get at it. So men, we got all of these opportunities for men and women to connect. And so if you're here and you just come to Sunday morning, uh, we love Sunday mornings, but that's not enough. And so you're going to have to, we don't have, and, and a week like this week is not every week. We usually have our life groups, which you need to be a part of. We need the men to dig it in. You shouldn't be doing life by yourself, especially if you know Christ. Amen, somebody. You need to come on out and get with us. Um, the curriculum and the book and everything costs $20. We're getting it in. Don't tell me, I ain't got $20, because if you walk out of here with some $250 Jordans on, I'm, 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 I'm going to do something to you, all right? And so, and so you really, you really, really need, you really need by God's grace uh, to be able, thank you, baby, uh, you really need to be able to 
Come on out and engage in it. We're not giving any scholarships. You're going to pay for it out of your pocket. No, don't ask me for no scholarships. I want, you to, I want you to scholarship yourself from your sodas and your sneakers and your white tees. I need you to do that in Jesus' name. All right? Um, ladies, y'all get out there too. All right? I'm just doing a little bit of old school pastoral reflection. Get on to these places and grow. Amen, in Jesus' name. Also, Wednesday, Wednesday's training camp, we have that only once a month. We're going to talk about the solas. That's not to be deep. It's to connect us with the larger Christian, historic Christian faith. And this Wednesday, we're going to talk about by faith alone. There are five solas, and one of them is by faith alone, which is one of the cornerstones of being in the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's get at that. Um, Last but not least, I had the honor of being with the Johnson family on Friday as his father was taken off of the respirator. Very few times as a pastor, you get to experience that, especially with a, with a younger church. I haven't done as many funerals since I've been pastoring here since 13 years ago when I was pastoring in Houston. And I did like 30 to 50 funerals in one year. It's a 130-year-old church. But being such a young church, you don't deal with as many natural cause deaths and to be there, um, there with his family and his mother, uh, points out to Isaiah and Daniel and their cousins and, uh, to, to, to pray and uh, to, to read scriptures. They read Psalm 91 and Psalm 23 as dad was passing away where they sang songs. And, and at the end of that, she went to him and rubbed his head and said, thank you for being a good husband. Thank you for being the spiritual leader of this house for over 40 years. And that, you know, your brother, you know, all of this was knotting up right here. I was about to fall apart, but the pastor couldn't fall apart at that point. I waited till afterwards because I wanted to get with the whole situation. You know what I'm saying? Tears are good, but it wasn't good at that point. And, and it was just powerful as each child, Tasha and Tiffany and Jonathan, he and his sisters, they each went up individually and looked their father in the eye as he was, as the anesthesia was going down and his blood pressure was slowly dropping after they removed the tubes out of him. And they began talking to him and telling him, th he said, thank you for making me into a godly man. Wow. And, he, and, and he began talking to him about the lessons that he remembers. That, and he looked at his children and said, this is what I'm passing down to them. And then his sisters came and said, thank you for loving me. Thank you for taking me in. And thank you for being a godly example. Then son-in-law and daughter-in-law coming over, mainly son-in-law. And he began talking about, he said, long time ago, in-law was taken out of this. And now I'm just, you're my father and I'm your son. And it was just a beautiful testament that, that, that we as men need to make sure you want your family to be able to say powerful things to you on your deathbed. You don't want people dying regretting that you were ever their parent. Amen, somebody. I wish I had some help right there. We ain't in the sermon yet, but you should be there. And, 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 so, and, so, and so, listen, the legacy you leave behind is the thing that you'll be remembered by. And so by God's grace, that was a beautiful opportunity to see someone go home to be the Lord. And yesterday morning, he went home to be with the Lord. Thanks, Pastor Larry, uh, for being with them in the earlier part of the week, shepherding th them through that. And so, again, we bless the Lord for that. Well, let's stand to our feet and let's, uh, let's uh, dive into the scriptures. John chapter 4, uh, this is a bit of a longer passage. And so, John chapter 4, verses 7 to, through 26. I'll begin, and you keep going. You know how we do. Here we go. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Keep going.
Amen, amen, amen. Well, in this installment, the third installment of our right now 11-week series on Eve Redeemed, I want to talk about uh, Jesus, uh, the restorer of authentic womanhood. Jesus, the restorer of authentic womanhood. Let's pray. Father, we honor you and thank you and even praise you for the mercy that you give through the gospel of Jesus Christ to restore and to do renewal through your power. Lord God, today, there, there was a, all over this building, there are buckets that are going to places unknown to draw. God, I pray today that you would give Eve, all the Eves in this building, a new perspective on life, uh, a, a new commitment to you, and show them what true womanhood is and show them how you restore them from the inside out. Lord God, where they have fears and insecurities, expose them. Uh, Lord God, in order that everything that you want them to be, that they may be. And God, I cannot do this alone. And so I am in desperate need of your presence, in desperate need of your power, in desperate need of your help. And so in order for this to be done, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our strength our Redeemer, in whom we trust in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Y'all can start that over. I'm going to probably need that whole time. Yeah, thank you. Um, You know, it's interesting as we have worked through our series on manhood and God used that in the ways that he wants to use it and we're reinforcing that. Um... But, 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 but there is no, like, like I, I had some guys do some, some friends of mine do some endorsements of my book that's coming out. And one of the things that all of them said almost un, in unanimity that there is no issue um, on the planet that as important as the crisis of manhood. There's no, there's no bigger issue, I believe, that the church is dealing with is the crisis in biblical manhood. Um, and not because of less value, but of near equal importance. I think the second major issue that the church deals with, or the one and a half important, most important issue uh, that we're dealing with is the crisis in biblical womanhood. There is a crisis in so many ways where we can't even spend, I mean, uh, 11 weeks is just a short amount of time to deal with the pandemic that is impacting women all over the planet. Uh, Time Magazine did an interesting article in 1990 um, in working through what they believed was the development of womanhood in general in the culture. And they began talking about the nature and development of how women and womanhood, we're living in an era and an age where womanhood is where it has never been in relation to what women can dream about and, and it actually come to fruition. I mean, we, we have more female CEOs, entrepreneurs, um, executives, political analysts, political leaders, managers, heads of state, spiritual leaders, um, high educators, researchers, and top-level entertainers in pop culture. And, and, and so women in this age, unlike any in the history of mankind, has, been ext- has, has more opportunities than ever. However, with all of those opportunities, those opportunities can still cloud an ancient need that women have. See, you can have all of the entrepreneurial development that you want to have, which we want you to get, get yours. We, you, you, can get all, you can go after all of the executive development and finances you want to. We want you to get that. You get your education. Go get your, get your master's. Get your PhD. We want you to get at it. Listen, God opened up doors. He brings freedom. Praise God for all that stuff. Uh, developing in the music industry. Uh, developing spiritual. All those different things. We want that to happen. However, we do not want, and you should not want, accomplishments in the world to eclipse and fog your desperate need for Jesus. No, no, no matter how far you go, don't you ever forget about him. 
No matter how much he develops you, don't you forget about him. No matter how much education you have and how many people you get to train and how much notoriety you get, whether Essence Magazine puts you on the front, Black Enterprise puts you on the front, Time Magazine puts you on the front, US uh, News puts you on the front, uh, USA Today puts you on the front, Jet Magazine puts you on the front, and God forbid King Magazine puts you on the front. That's why I say, God forbid. (laughs) Don't you see human exaltation as spiritual value? And that doesn't mean God doesn't do things through women, but don't let natural accomplishments make you forget about Christ's accomplishment for you on the cross. (laughs) Amen, somebody. And And so we're here in a phenomenal reality of talking about womanhood. I like Nancy Lee DeMoss, and she's, she's my favorite, besides a friend of mine, Priscilla Shire, she's one of my favorite female exegetes, expositors, and theologians as it relates to women's issues. And she, and, 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 and she says, she says, our culture is experiencing an epidemic of soul sickness. She says, not just among women out there in the world, but among those of us in the church. She says, in fact, she says, in fact, if I had to describe a large percentage of Christian women who I've met and talked with in recent years, I would choose one or more of the following words to describe them. Listen to what she says. She says, frazzled, exhausted, burnt out, overwhelmed, defeated, depressed, ashamed, emotionally unstable, confused frustrated, discouraged, uptight, and insecure. Now, I don't know where I'm at, but I know y'all perfect and everything, but how many of y'all know somebody dealing with one or more of those issues? Oh, oh, ain't ain't enough hands gone up because it's too many perfect. Oh, I forgot where I'm at. This is Epiphany Fellowship. Nobody has issues here. But but it's interesting that, that all of the development that's happened Among this population, these are the issues that they still deal with, with all of that education, with all of that opportunity, and with all of that power, still insecurities reign. And so that's why we say this. She says, what if I told you that instead of being miserable, frustrated, and in bondage, you could be free, gracious, loving, confident, stable, joyous, peaceful, radiant, and I added restored. What if there was someone that could come into your life beyond the person that you're looking for, and he come into your life in a way that no one has ever come into your life and offer you freedom, offer you confidence, and offer you change, but not just to build you up, but to build up his glory, and his name is Jesus. So we come to John 4, we come to John 4, come to John 4, and it's, a, it's, it's an interesting passage because before it, you would see that Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, and it's interesting that he was of the religious right, you know what I'm saying? Um, he had the right outfit on, he was religious, he knew Torah, he knew Tanakh and Navahim, he knew all of Old Testament, and, and, and he was able to shoot off scriptures uh, shoot him up like an old Christian hip-hop song in hot and stacks like flapjacks. He, he's able, by God's grace. Y'all missed that. So, but, 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 but in other words, it, 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 was, it was a fun, it was, he, was, he was a religious dude that knew a whole lot, had a whole lot of power. But when Jesus began to talk spiritual language with the religious, the religious man struggled to understand the spirits. Just because you're religious. And you in the right click, theologically. Hallelujah. Doesn't mean you where you think you are. Jesus said, you mean you a teacher of Israel and you don't understand what it means to be born again? We'll go there in a second. But then you see John in a masterful way in this narrative prose does a narrative comparison and contrast between the religious and the broken. And and, and what what he does is he says, religiosity doesn't make you receptive. And so he, he takes a woman, wow, 
and compares her to a male spiritual leader as more ready and open to Messiah than a man who was, had everything and all the theology, had all the commentaries of the elders, knew the historical constructs of Judaism, knew all of the laws, but did not recognize Messiah. So we come here, and I got one point for you, and I'm out your way. One point, not three points in the poem, just one point. This is my point today, and this is all we're driving home. Only Jesus can provide you with true satisfaction. That's the point of the sermon today. I ain't got nothing else for you. If you're looking for something else, I ain't got it. But only Jesus can provide true satisfaction. You should have shouted right there. Uh, um, um, so, so, so we come down here, and I, and, and I like the fact that it says in verse 4, he said, and he had to pass through Samaria. Now, what's interesting is I read theologians, and they make me sick sometimes because they always try to unspiritualize divine appointments. One theologian, I'm reading these guys, well, this doesn't mean that he had to go through because this was a divine appointment. This is just the text that's saying it. Who with the Holy Ghost inside of them don't see Jesus having to go through someplace as a divine appointment? I wish I had some help right there. Listen, do you know that Jesus, listen, listen, in his humanity, being led by the Spirit will make some detours just to get to you. I wish I had some. Ain't nobody going to talk back to me today. But listen, he'll make detours on his trip. He'll make detours on his journey. He'll inconvenience himself so that you can be convenienced. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he's committed to you. And that's how much he's passionate about the glory of God. That's how much he's passionate about his mission because he's the sacrificial lamb that came to make everything right. That's his purpose. That's his plan. That's his opportunity. And he sees you as the greatest opportunity to the glory of God, ladies. And it's interesting that he broke every rule to come get her. Oh, my God, I'm getting ahead of myself. It says, a woman from Samaria, Samaria came to the water. I like that. That's hilarious. Now, now, now to draw water. Now, you got to understand. First off, it's noon. Okay? Jesus Christ would die at noon. That's something else. But it's interesting that in the heat of the day, a woman goes alone to the well. Now, now you got to understand that that was weird in their day because most women, uh, they, they either went to the well early in the morning when it was still cool or they went in the evening when it became cool. And so therefore, and, and that, that's, that's number one. Number two, women used to go together, not alone, to the well. So you see that something about this woman makes her want to get to the well when nobody else is there because she doesn't want to run into any conversations with anybody because of the nature of who she is and where her background is. You ever been so messed up and so ostracized by people that you try to make sure that I don't even want to deal with nobody. I don't even want to mess with nobody. I don't want to be around nobody because I don't want to hear my mess again. I've heard my mess over and over and over and over again. And I am going to go when nobody else can bother me, where I can have some peace and quiet. I know how bad I am. So forget all of y'all. I'm going to do this alone. You ever been there before? I know I ain't talking to nobody at Epiphany Fellowship, but this woman is broken. And she's in, she's, in a, she's in a broken place, and, and, and she's coming here, and she's hanging out. But little did she know that at the point to where she wanted to be alone, God wasn't going to let her be alone. I wish I had some help. See, 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 you need to know that sometimes, that, listen, you can't have peace and quiet without the Prince of Peace. You can have quiet, but you can't have peace. That's another sermon. I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to keep moving. And so Jesus says to her, Jesus says to her, give me a drink. Now, you got to understand, back then, that's like being at the bar and saying, how you doing? Can I buy you a drink? That's what it was like. But he's not talking about her bringing her bucket and going in to draw water. When you, when you see this idea of drink, which is a larger euphemism and rhetorical language here, when he talks about giving a drink, he's saying, he said, can you, get, can you get me something that can satisfy me? This is interesting. 
Because Jesus loves to ask. Now, you got I can just do a sermon series on just the questions of Jesus Christ. See, drink means satisfaction. Now, over, if you don't believe me, Proverbs 5, verse 15 says, drink fresh water from your own cistern. Talking about the relationship between a husband and a wife, drink there means satisfy yourself sexually off of your wife, not women outside of your marriage. So here, the same euphemism is used in the New Testament, even though it's Corne Greek and not Hebrew, it's still the same prose of saying satisfaction. And so Jesus, listen, Jesus never asks you natural questions. He never asks you. He'll ask you practical questions, which this is the most practical question he asks her, give me a drink. But it's just like when, when he was when before the feeding of the 5,000, and he asked his disciples, he said, he said you feed them. And, and the disciples like, man, I know the corner store got some stuff, but you know what I'm saying? If we go to the corner store, Jesus, we can't feed 5,000 plus people. But what Jesus was asking him is he wasn't really asking them to feed him, feed them. He was showing them their, the realization that they're unable to do ministry without him. Just as he's asking them that question, that question, he's asking this lady saying, can you feed yourself? Can you nourish yourself off of what you've been drinking? You've been here a whole bunch of times, lady, but can you nourish yourself fully off of what, I'm, what, what you're coming here to get. And so he points her to it and challenges her with that reality. And so the Samaritan woman said to him, <laughs> it's funny, because women are alike in some ways. I don't want to get stoned. <laughs> Multimillennially. <laughs> that I can see homegirl after he said, give me a drink. I can see her, because, you know, Jesus probably sitting on a rock chilling. You know how he do looking around, you know, just meditating on the kingdom. And then, she, and then she comes up. You know, his disciples went to the corner store. They'll be back in a little bit. And so he's chilling, right? And so she comes to the well. When she comes to the well, he said, you, give me a drink. And she said, now y'all know what that is. That's a, whether you're white, black, whether you're Puerto Rican and Dominican mix, whatever you are. Every, that's the universal language of who you think you're talking to, <laughs> femininity. And she says, how is it that you, a Jew, ask me for a drink? And she asked this for a particular reason, because Jesus is a Jew. And interestingly enough is the Jews believe that the Samaritans, being though that they descended from them but were connected to the Babylonians and the Assyrians, and that's who they become, and that's where all of the ungodly kings came from. In Samaria, they called them half-breeds, and they believed they were eternally, they, 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 were, they were menstruant. And what that meant is from birth to death, they are, so, they are as off-limits as a woman is on her menstrual cycle. That's how much Jews hated Samarians. And so they basically was, he, so she's basically, she got all that in her mind. You know what I'm saying? How, you know, she got all that in my mind. And so she can't believe that he's asking for a, for a drink. She's like, since I'm so unclean, now you want some water now. Now that you're a little behind and thirsty, you want something to drink now. But y'all know that's, that's universal. You know what I'm saying? And so, but but we, we menstruants from the womb. In other words, they believe that they were eternally damned and unsavable. And so she had a chip on her shoulder towards the Lord Jesus Christ because he was a Jew. But what I like about Jesus Christ is he don't give a googa hoop about the chip you got on your shoulder about him because he'll, he can handle your chip. See, that's what I like. See, now how do I know that? Look at the verse. It says, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and whom it was, he, he, went, he said, I'm time enough for you, chick. You know what I'm saying? I got you. He said, here we go. Give me a drink. You would say, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. So he can, re see, see, most of the time, you know, women, y'all can multitask and curse us out, not using curse words, but intellectually slaughter us as men. But see, Jesus Christ is the new man. And because he's the new man, he's more timely with your feminine language than you are. And so he's talking, he's, she doesn't know, he's talking around her, but he wants to talk into her. 
And listen, listen, listen. This is one man you can't out-talk. Let me just tell you that. You can run your mouth all you want. You can put your hand on your hip. You can bop your neck. You can get angry. You can stomp your feet. But Jesus Christ, the word of life, is time enough for you. Listen, you're talking about, well, I'm a wordy woman. Well, he is the word of life. The Bible said in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's so much Word that he can be a Word to make something come to pass, and you can talk words, and you can slaughter somebody, but you can't make nothing come to pass. He is such the Word. He is so powerful as the Word. He is the wisdom of God. He is the truth of God wrapped up in a human body. And so I'm just trying to tell you right now is that Jesus is time enough for your neck popping, bum, uh, gum cracking. Uh, I got some other stuff to say, but we're going to keep that going. But I'm just trying to let you know he's time enough for you. He's time enough for you. I like that. And so Jesus told he. I like the fact that Jesus totally ignores her defensiveness. How many of y'all are defensive? Because a lot of men have tried to holler. So you know how you do when, when you used to men trying to holler. You're like, huh? Huh? When he said, hey, let me holler at you. Huh? No. She's so used to it, you know what I'm saying? She's so used to trying to be hollered at, you know what I'm saying? But what Jesus says is he says he's not trying to be a player. He's saying, I got living water. Now, water in the Bible usually means judgment or cleansing many times or renewal. But in the book of John, it's interesting that water represents something or someone way broader than this. It says, John, it symbolizes differently, and this is the first time water is emphasized as the Spirit of God. And so when he says he wants to give her a living water, I'm going to come back to this, he's talking about the Spirit of the living God coming to live on the inside of her. It was prophesied in Isaiah 12.3, it says, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And so the living water here is twofold because they recognize it as stagnant. There was two types of water in the Bible. There was stagnant water and then there was flowing water. Now, let me tell you the difference between the two. There's water that you catch and you hold or bottle it. But then there's water that's a free-flowing system of water. Now, 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 what it meant was is that everything that comes out of this consistent flow of water is fresh and coming from a fresh source. I don't know if you ever had the water turned off for a while in your crib. Now, I know nobody here ever had a bill like that where your water was turned off. Nobody ever had their water turned off because we're a middle upper-class church in the middle of the inner city of Philadelphia. So you never had that happen to you. Or, you, you know, but if you did, when you first turn the water back on, the thing shakes. Y'all know nothing about that. And then it's brown because the rust has held back, been held back by the water. So, so the rust comes out. But as you let it keep flowing, the water becomes clear and the water becomes clear. He's saying, I have a source that you don't know about that, 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 it, that, that won't ever get rusty. And the, matter of fact, the water that I have, I'm going to pay for it so well that nobody will turn the bills off. Because I paid the bill, and because I paid the bill, the water will always be turned on in your life. Wish I had some help right there. How many of you know that Jesus Christ paid the bill so that your eternal water won't ever get thrown off? So that the Holy Spirit, that's why it's called eternal life, not temporal life. You can't lose your salvation. If it's temporal life, then you can lose it. But eternal means unending from beginning to end. <laughs> and so the woman, the woman said to him, sir... Oh, now you want to say, sir. You're going to change your little language now. Uh-huh. You have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? It's interesting that Jesus had no jar with him. You know what I'm saying? It's interesting that Jesus had no jar, but she didn't know that he was the jar. She didn't know that. Because, the, because Jacob's well was an interesting well. It was 75 feet deep. So she's thinking on the natural level while Jesus is trying to talk to her on the spiritual level. Uh-uh. You, 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 listen, 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 listen. She's so used to dealing with men in the natural that she can't deal with a man that want to deal spiritually with her. And so she said, she said, How you, she said, what do you have with, I don't see nothing with you. 
How are you going to get all the way up in this water, you know what I'm saying, and how are you going to get 75 feet down, you know what I'm saying, and go get the water, and you ain't got nothing to carry it with. You know what I'm saying? You know how y'all do? Y'all be looking down and looking up and down and like carrying on like that. You know what I'm saying? Y'all know I'm telling the truth, ladies. But little did she know that the water he was to give her could not be drawn with human hands. Jesus said to her, he said, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. What have you been drinking from that keeps you thirsty? Well, what, what in your life keeps you? Matter of fact, it's almost like salt. It makes you more thirsty. Jesus is basically saying, listen, listen, he, he said, listen, 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 lady. this is a temporary means of satisfaction. He says, therefore, this puts you in a state, of course, of dissatisfaction, and you remain in a cycle of need, in lapses, in satisfactory coverage. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13 says, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hoof out for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water at all. What in your life is a broken cistern? See, a broken cistern had muck in it because they put pitch inside of it that would go on the outside of it to keep the water so it wouldn't leak out. But these cisterns would crack, and they were unable to hold the water that, they, that the rain would bring in. What in your life is a broken cistern? Matter of fact, who in your life is a broken cistern? Oh, it's real quiet right now. But listen, you've been satisfying yourself your way for a long time. And Jesus is now offering the opportunity to be satisfied in him, his way, rather than your way. And Jesus is the first person uh, to, to come in your life. And he's wanting to come in your life and deal with your stuff. And, and what's beautiful about him is he doesn't let you get away with being satisfied with mess. He doesn't let you get away with being satisfied on what you want to be satisfied on because he's more concerned about you than anyone else. Don't treat Jesus like the people that treated you bad. Jesus ain't them. So you can take your, uh, your, your scope pistol off of his chest because Jesus Christ is different than everybody that's ever come your way. He said, but whoever drinks of this water that I will give him will never thirst again. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Listen, let me tell you something. There is no way, shape, or form that anything on this planet apart from Jesus can satisfy you. And so Jesus is pushing into her. And I just love the conversation here. And then the water, he said, the water that I give to you will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. This is booming right here. Because now we're seeing that Jesus is beginning to describe the water, but she's still going to respond in the natural, even though he's talking in the spiritual. Now, when he talks about this well welling up the eternal life, when the Holy Spirit comes on the inside of a believer, he's the one that causes us to be born again, Titus 3, 5. Amen, somebody. So he's the one that washes us and renews us and causes regeneration. Uh, um, 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 uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 3, y'all heard me say this before, uh, that, that, that God has given us a measure of faith. He does that by the Spirit. You see over in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3, that nobody can confess Jesus as Lord except by the Spirit of God. So what the Spirit of God does in the life of the believer is he totally reconciles and applies the gospel to the soul of the believer so that you're able to have a renewed relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And so now the relationship between you and God that was broken, he functionally reconnects you to God and helps that connection to never end. Listen, I don't care what you got in your life, who you got in your life, where you got in your life. There is no connection in your life that's greater than the connection that you can have to, to God through Christ. Because Jesus says in the high priestly prayer, chapter 17, verse 3, he said, and this is eternal life, that you know his son, God, and his only son whom he sent. Him telling this wells up to eternal life is knowing God. That's enough. Knowing God is enough. The living water points to knowing God. That's the most important. 
important thing. And if anybody in your life that you're close to or trying to get with isn't helping you to go that direction, you need to be very careful. Because he's trying to connect you to life, not death. <laughs> See, Jesus is the best man. He's the smoothest and greatest man that could ever come in your life. And see, anything or anyone or any place that comes in your life that wants to get in the way of the flow of the water, you need to get them out your life. I'm going to keep going. He said, the water that I will give him, he talks about that reality. And then the woman says, sir, here she goes again, give me this water so that I may not be thirsty or have to come here anymore. So she thinks he's a traveling salesman. You know, you know earlier than those days, it was like Philadelphia. You know, you're on the L, you're on the L. Oil, oil, anybody want some oil? Try this, try this, dude, try this, try this. Come on, put your hands out like this, you know what I'm saying? Y'all know how to do, you know, dudes coming out like this, you know, it's like Lenny on good times, you know what I'm saying? Y'all don't know about that, you know what I'm saying? Always trying to sell you something. So she was so used to traveling salesmen, and she said, man, his sale pitch is great. I want some of this water, because he thinks he's just talking naturally. You know how when somebody does an ad, they make the ad seem way more than what it is? Even though at the footnotes it says, this can cause cancer, this can cause you to have liver disease, this can cause you to die early death, this can cause depression, even though it's depression medicine. Um, I'm, like, I'm like, oh gosh. I'm like, I'm like, hold on. Hold on. I'm, like, I'm like, I'm lost right now. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, lost. But Jesus Christ gives life with no side effects. <laughs> he, he, he give, listen, there is no... There is no clause of challenge. There's no clause of challenge. And so Jesus said, you, you don't, he said, you don't get it. He said, okay, let me, let's see. Now this is, see, Jesus, he, he likes to help you deal with everything. So what he does is he says, so you're not getting this. Let, let, me, let, me, let me ask you a question. He said, go call your husband and come here. Now, that, 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 was, that, that was raw right there. You know what I'm saying? That was a little raw for Jesus to ask that question. You know what I'm saying? I was like, now, 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 now Jesus is not operating. This is for free. He's not operating in his, in his eternality right here, in his omniscience. He's operating in one of the offices of a prophet, that he is the prophet, priest, and king. Nobody's ever been that. So in his humanity, he doesn't access his deity to know things. He utilizes the spirit of God that filled him at baptism to be able to know, because he submitted himself to being fully human. So, so, so people, he's not trying to use his deity, like I went back up to him, look back down, oh, I see. No, he's depending on the spirit of God to look into her life and tell him things about where he is. Let me tell you something. Jesus Christ is so powerful that even in his humanity, he submitted to God to lovingly look into your life. He wasn't a prophet liar. He was an eternal prophesier. I got to keep moving. You know, Jesus wants to make sure that she does not see him as a traveling entrepreneur. Jesus is saying that the water that I want to give you deals with the deepest levels of brokenness in your life. See, see, that, see, being a Christian, all this, all this TV, let me say, being a Christian means you deal with everything. And God loves you enough to call you to the carpet. Oh, y'all quiet now. Because he wants to call you into brokenness. Remember, my message on brokenness, brokenness means to be shattered, crushed, maimed, devoid of arrogance. Wounded, contrite, injured, smashed, grieved, anxious, distressed, crippled, wrecked, demolished, fractured, handicapped, and disabled. What does it mean? The spiritual state by which one is disarmed of one's self-dependence and pride. Therefore, leaving one a, a, a viable conduit for the glory of Christ. Brokenness opens us to being teachable in the handiwork of the heart of God. Brokenness makes you desperate to chase after the heart of God. Brokenness comes from the failure of our personal pursuits to produce God's and sometimes our desired ends. So God is going to deal with your brokenness. He points her to the places in her life where she is drinking from spiritually and keeps her Coming back unsatisfied 
And the woman says to him, I have no husband. And Jesus said, she, so she thought, you know, she didn't know what Jesus was doing. She said, he, and Jesus said, you are right. I have no husband. You, you are right. For you have had five husbands. Now, can you imagine the look on her face? When she, now, now, she doesn't think it's just gossiping and her business is going around. She'll see something about him that's different than everybody else who brought up her issues. Let me tell you something. Other people, when they bring up your issues, are trying to slaughter you. When Jesus brings up your issues, he's trying to save you. I got to keep moving. <laughs> I, I, I got to keep moving. Jesus says, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. So I can't, I mean, can you imagine what she's dealing with? That he now opened up all her stuff. It's just her and him standing there. She thought he was trying to holler, but he's doing something on a whole nother level in her life. Powerfully in her life to unearth these issues and her need to be engaged by him. So she's been in five marital relationships, five failed marriages, where she went from relationship to relationship to relationship. And now she got tired of getting married, and either she's a concubine or she's just shacking with somebody, which is the same thing if you're a concubine. You're shacking, right? And so she's like, I ain't even getting married no more. I'm going to have this on my terms. Maybe. I don't know. But, but, but she's not married at this point, which blows my mind that she kept trying the exact same thing five times, and it still didn't work. Then she tried to recreate the same thing by being outside of the bounds of marriage. How many of you have been running to these broken cisterns over and over and over and over again? Maybe relationships ain't your issue. Maybe it's something else in your life that you've made Lord in your life. But, 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 but I like Leah in the Bible. The first she tried to have a baby uh, for, for your man, and, and she had a baby, and she had another baby, and she had another, and she's like, man, forget him. I'm going to name my next son Judah because I want to praise the Lord. You know what I'm saying? When you're going to get to the point where you're not going to allow yourself to try to please people, but she was trying to please people, and she was trying to please herself, but at some point in your life, you got to get to the point where you say, I'm tired of being tired, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to pursue it whether I I like it or not. And then the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. (laughs) Now you want to get theological. I'm asking you about the most broken issue in your life. But you're using, see, it's funny how people that don't go to church and ain't believers when they, they, they try to pull out their theological lingo when you're trying to get to issues to help them. Well, I grew up in the church. I know, I know the Psalm 23. Everybody knows. The, the devil knows. I mean, hold on. Psalm 23, what does that have to do with anything, right? For God so loved the world. Ha! She goes, our father worshiped on this mountain. Our father And you say that Jerusalem is the place where you ought to worship. And I, what, you know what? This is, this is crazy. He saw, listen, when Jesus, don't avoid dealing with your deepest issues by pulling religiosity out of your back pocket to try to avoid what Jesus is trying to take you. <laughs> Some of us are so religious that we're irreligious. The Samaritans, of course, had interesting, but it's interesting that Jesus Christ began to blow her categories. He blew her categories in so many ways. He blew her theological categories, her biblical categories, her relational categories, her cultural categories, and her racial and ethnic categories. In other words, Jesus likes the fact that he can come in and expand your horizons. This is the man, I know women say, I want me a man that can engage me on an intellectual level and can have conversations. Let me tell you something. Jesus Christ uh, uh, engaged you on a whole, if you just let him, he can, listen, he can engage you mentally, spiritually, emotionally. You take your pick. Whatever you need, he's got it. He can engage, and, and he will blow your categories, and he, because he's not just the lover of your body, he's the lover of your soul. And he's getting to the issues. So what are the categories in your life that Jesus want to blow? What are the categories that you're holding on to as a woman? Well, the only way I can work with Jesus is if Jesus, no, Jesus wants to blow every last category. So in essence, they believed a lot of lies and theological folk tales. Most of what us, many of us believe are folk tales 
And so Jesus didn't run. And what I like about Jesus, he doesn't run when your stuff gets unveiled. He presses in. He presses in. Your mess isn't the worst mess that God is saying. He's been dealing with messes since messes was mess. So don't hide anything from him because he knows everything anyway. So in order to become satisfied with Jesus, the area in your life that has been points of dissatisfaction must be faced. I got to keep going. And so the woman said, we believe, uh, uh, he, he, and Jesus said, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem shall you worship. You, sh- you worship that which you do not know. We worship that which we know. For salvation is from the Jews. Jesus says, but an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers of, of, uh, of the Father shall worship in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, but those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. It's interesting that he says, listen, let me, let me, let me, let me explain to you what's happening. God, by essence, he's teaching her theology and practically applying weighty theology of the perfections and attributes of God to her. So he said God is spirit. When you see God is in a statement, that's one of his attributes throughout the Bible. What he's saying is because God is in the spirit realm and he exists spiritually, He's non-corporeal. In other words, he does not have a body. Those who worship him must worship him beyond the physical plane. They must worship him in the non-corporeal realm. And so, therefore, you must be born of water and spirit. That means I will sprinkle you clean with water, Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. Take out the heart of stone, put it in the heart of flesh, take out the old spirit, put it in a new spirit, put my spirit on you, and cause you to walk in my statutes. That's what it means to be born again. And when Jesus is engaging you, he's engaging you on the deepest level of your life. And so he said the worshipers of God must worship him in spirit and in truth. What does spirit mean? Being reconnected with God through the spirit. Relationship restored. Eve being redeemed. That's what it means. Uh, 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 Truth points to the truth of the gospel, the right information about God that's found in the gospel. So with the gospel and the transformation of the spirit, therefore you are changed and now you're able to function spiritually. That's why when you pray, the Bible says you are before the throne of grace because you're worshiping God in spirit and in truth. That's why God seeks worshipers who worship him in both lifestyle but also lips. Whenever we lift our hands in worship during the gathering, even though we're physically putting our hands up, our soul is blessing the Lord. Therefore, you're worshiping him. That's why our stuff got to have right information in it so that it's truth that we're worshiping God for. If we don't have truth in our worship, we're worshiping a different God. But spiritually makes you reconnected. So you can be unspiritually connected, have your hands in the air, and God doesn't hear you because you're not reconnected. But if you're reconnected through the gospel, which is the truth, and your soul has been changed, then you're worshiping him in spirit because you've been changed, and now you're reconnected through the spirit, and now you can worship God in spirit spirit and in truth. But you can't do that on your own. You have to believe that Christ died on the cross for your sins and was raised on the third day from the dead. Because of that reality, it's interesting. The Bible says, and I'm closing, so the woman left her jar and went away to town to the people. It's interesting. The thing that she was using to catch physical water. She didn't know that God, through Christ, had changed her jar that get rid of that physical vessel. And he transformed her into being a jar of clay for his glory. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the surpassing greatness of the power may not may be from God and not from us. <laughs> Guess what? Some of y'all scared. Some of y'all scared to death. I can see it in your eyes. You are scared to death for the living water to deal with your issues. I can see it in your eyes. You, 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 you are scared that God is going to come in and actually change what you've given up on. I can see it. I can see it in your face. You're sitting in here and you're wishing. It's the part of your testimony that you don't tell. Well, you know, once it's I, and you know, and then one day he came my way and he saved me. That's the sanitized part of your testimony. But, but God has a full testimony that he saved you from some stuff that only you and him know. But the issue is, is even though he saved you from it, you're still functioning in it. 
And so what happens is, is you have to believe that God, through Christ, cleansed everything. So, so it's, just, it's just like the illustration I give. You know, if, some, if somebody knock on my door, I don't know who they are. They come over to the house and say, hey, hey what's up, me? I, I'm, I'm going to close the door behind me. You know what I'm saying? I'm, and they're trying to look all over my shoulder. Now, now I, if, if I open the door and close the door behind me, that means I don't want you to look at my house. Now, that's usually, when I do that, that means the house is a mess at that time. Okay? Now, don't act like y'all houses don't be a mess sometimes. My house be a mess sometimes. In Jesus' name. And we have to clean up a lot. Amen. All right? And so, and so I don't want to open the door fully because I don't want them to see my mess. Because if I let them in the house and they see my mess, they'll think differently of me. But every now and then, somebody that loves me, when they knock on the door and they come over unannounced and the house is a mess, I'll open the door. I'll be like, oh, it's you. Come on in. And then they'll come in and say, wow, this is a mess. But know what I love about them? is they begin doing like this. What else you need? What else you need? Let's put these clothes in the wire. Listen, listen, listen. Jesus Christ is the person that when he knocks on the door and he comes in, he doesn't judge your mess. He comes in and he has a bucket and he takes his mop and he puts it in his blood. And he, start, he starts just. Ooh, this is bad right here. I need a hammer on this one. I need a hammer on this. Listen, when Jesus Christ comes into your life, he comes in and lovingly cleans up everything that you got. Open up your life. Open up your heart. Open up your mind. He can handle your dirt. He's not judging you. He came to seek and to save you. You ought to, you ought to open yourself up today and give every single component of your life to Jesus. Matter of fact, you should say, Jesus, you missed a spot. Here we go, right? I'm just opening up every single thing in the house because I don't want anything in my life unturned. I am sick and tired of being sick and tired. Come on in here. Get your glory. Wipe, I messed, I know, Jesus, I messed up. I did do it. Open it, here it is. All my skeletons, here they are. The trash truck is here. And it's called the cross of Jesus Christ. And he doesn't just pile your trash up somewhere. But what he did is he took your trash truck and he dumped it on his shoulders on Calvary's cross. And every single piece of trash, every broken heart, every lost heart, every disappointment, Every point of brokenness, it was laid on his shoulders. But on the third day, on the third day, the stone, I wish I had some help, got rolled away. And he stepped out with all power in his hands. Ain't he all right? Ain't he good? His mercy endures forever. Glory to the Lamb. Glory to the Lamb. Honor to the Lamb. He's cleaning. He's healing. Even now. He's cleansing. And he's moving barriers. Dealing with brokenness. What in your life? What in your life? Have you said Jesus is off limits to you? He, he's here today. Pull out. Pull out your old diary, ladies. Start reading the things that you wrote about but ain't told nobody. And I want you to get you a red highlighter and pray to God and start outlining everything in red that's broken. Because he's here and he's willing and he's able to heal every part of you. Heal every, you don't have to put on no more. What's good about Jesus, you don't have to put on no fronts. He already knows, so you might as well tell him anyway. And he, let me tell you something, he loves you more than you can ever know. And his commitment to you is massive. Will you, will you unleash your life? Some of you want to be somewhere, you want to help somebody. God want to help you first. You can't be for others, which you haven't let God be for you first. I pray for cleansing all through this place.
today, every head, every hand, every, everybody to your feet. Everybody to your feet.